From Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serra. Thanks for inviting me into your home, a long-haul truck, RV, taxi, your parents' well-appointed rec room with the simulated wood paneling, electric fireplace, and the painting of dogs playing poker, your loft, that greasy spoon just off the interstate, and your cabin in the woods. A big how-do to all of you sheltering in place and listening in on one of our affiliate stations across North America, and hello to all of you watching the live stream on our YouTube channel, Strange Planet, and those of you in the YouTube live chat. However, and wherever you're listening, I bid thee the warmest of welcomes, and I thank you for your fine company. Time for a, a respite from coronavirus, at least this hour. Synchronicity. It's a concept first introduced by analytical psychologist Carl Jung, which holds that events are meaningful coincidences if they occur with no causal relationship yet seem to be meaningfully related. During his career, Jung furnished several different definitions of synchronicity. He defined synchronicity as an a-causal connecting togetherness principle, meaningful coincidence, a-causal parallelism, or meaningful coincidence of two or more events where something other than the probability of chance is involved. He introduced the concept as early as the early 1920s, but gave a full statement of it only in a 1951 lecture. Here to swap war stories and discuss strange coincidences and remarkable synchronicities is one of the top podcasters anywhere. Jim Harold's Campfire and the Paranormal Podcast are so wildly popular. He's also the author of five volumes of True Ghost Stories. And he's also, those five books, incidentally, have been number one supernatural bestsellers on Kindle at various times. Jim has developed a loyal following over the last 15 years that spans the globe. And after over a decade of working on the business side of media, he decided it was time to dust off his broadcasting training and step back behind the mic. A lifelong interest in the paranormal combined with his love of broadcasting and technology have resulted in some of the most successful podcasts of their type to date. He holds a master's degree in applied communication theory and methodology and is an accredited certified digital media consultant by the Radio Advertising Bureau. Jim has also had the opportunity to teach at the university level. Jim Harold, welcome back to The Conspiracy Show, my friend. How are you doing? I am doing well, Richard. Thank you. So great to talk to you and great to talk to your listeners. Uh, very quickly, right off the top, for those not familiar, and there may be one or two out there not uh, familiar or subscribing to the Paranormal Podcast and Jim Harold's Campfire. How do they do that? Well, you just go to any of the apps out there, and pretty much everybody's phone has one now. It might be Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, pretty much any audio app. And you look in their podcast section and type in Jim Harold, that's H-A-R-O-L-D, and uh, Jim Harold's Campfire, which is, like you said, my true ghost story podcast and other spooky stories, UFOs, synchronicities, uh, that's that show. And the Paranormal Podcast is an interview show, uh, which uh, Richard is expert at. I, I, I mean, he's one of the absolute best, but I, I try to muddle along on the Paranormal Podcast and, and interview <laughs> a lot of uh, authors and experts and so forth, and we have a good time and i've been doing that show since 2005 so it's a delight i hope everybody gets to check them out but these days very easy got your phone 
you probably already use one of those audio apps I mentioned, and, and there are many more that I didn't mention. And just type that in. And if nothing else, put Jim Harold Podcast into Google, and, and, and it'll pop up. Those podcasts are just, I mean, you are in a different level entirely. I mean, you're getting millions and millions of people downloading these. What's the latest data on that? Well, I think over the course of the shows being around, we've had over 40 million downloads. But, I mean, it's relative, right? I mean, I'm a successful, I consider myself a successful podcaster, but then there's people out there like Joe Rogan, you know, who, you know, he gets millions of episodes, millions of downloads on one episode. So, uh, I mean, I'm very grateful and very thankful, but there's always, you can always do better, and you can always do more and reach more people. And uh, that's why I love being on shows like this, because, you know, there's a there's a lot more people that haven't heard of me than have heard of me. So I love the opportunity to talk to new people about spooky stuff. Well, you did a recent episode on synchronicities. Now, was that on Campfire, or was that Paranormal Podcast? We did a couple. Uh, one was with Mike Cleland, who's actually written a book on it, and he's also done, I'm pretty sure you've spoken to him before, on owls and UFOs, the messenger. Oh, book. yes. We did one yes, with, yes. We did one with him on the Paranormal Podcast, and then I also did one on the Campfire, because now Campfire, is its thrust is ghost stories, but we get many stories in other categories. We get stories about doppelgangers. And we get stories about what I call head scratchers, just things that kind of make you go, hmm. And then we get these weird synchronicities, these things that, you know, they seem to be coincidences. But as you said with Young, they also seem to be very meaningful and almost like somebody somewhere is pushing the buttons to have these things line up in an odd way. Right, right. Where I'm sitting in my little studio, down the hall, I'm in the uh, the basement of the house here. I'm under the stairs, quite literally, the studio under the stairs. My kids call me Harry Potter. Um, <laughs> but we have a cold room and uh, you know where we keep can tin goods and so forth. And on the door, this belongs to my mother-in-law. She's a, a huge John Kennedy fan. And there is this poster which yeah. outlines the amazing coincidences between President Lincoln and Kennedy. And you've probably heard this many times for yeah. people not familiar with it. Kennedy and Lincoln, they were both elected 100 years apart. Lincoln, 1860. Kennedy, 1960. They were both succeeded by Southerners named Johnson. And the yeah. two Johnsons were born 100 years apart. Both assassins were born 100 years apart. Booth in 1839. Oswald in 1939. Both assassins died before they could be brought to trial. Lincoln's assassin committed the assassination in a theater and he was surrounded in a warehouse. Oswald supposedly shot from a warehouse and he was captured in the theater. On and on and on yeah. and it goes. Do you have like a favorite one from history, one of these strange synchronicities? You know, the one that came to mind just as you were saying that is, are you familiar with The Wreck of the Titan? Oh, yes. Yes. This is a great yeah. one. I believe it was a novella written in the uh, 1890s and it was about this ocean liner that sank in the North Atlantic after hitting an iceberg. And there were all of these interesting details about it. Uh, you know, they, there weren't uh, enough lifeboats for all of the passengers. It was uh, 800 feet long. Um, and, and there was thing after thing after thing that was the same. I believe the Titan was said to be, this fictional Titan was said to be unsinkable 
And uh, the odd thing is, is you have this work of fiction written in the 1890s, and then a short 14 or so years later, you have a very real event, the sinking of the Titanic, which was also said to be unsinkable. It also sank in the North Atlantic after striking an iceberg. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Some people call that predictive programming. Um, What's, I mean, is that coincidence? Is that, is there something else uh, at work there? Is there, is there some time travel involved? Is, was the author channeling? I can, I can can only speculate, but perhaps it's that things um, are kind of floating in the universe. And, and, you know, I, I'm sure you've heard and our listeners have heard tonight the idea of a writer, whether it's a writer of a fictional work or a, a song or whatever it might be, that things just come to them. They don't know where they come from. Or, or somebody is writing uh, a work of fiction and the characters seem to take on their own lives and, and the author wants the character to go right and he takes a left. And... It seems like to me that in these creative kind of projects, we're tapping into a larger consciousness of some type. So maybe these things that are yet to be are floating around in that consciousness, and perhaps we're tapping into them. This is just idle speculation. I mean, I don't know. I haven't done research to, to figure this out. This is just something that has occurred to me that maybe that's, that's part of the reason. Another similar example, I think it was Jules Verne, I may be wrong on this, that talked about a moonshot, you know, going to the moon. And it talked about uh, taking off from Florida. And the ship was called the Columbia. Well, I believe the capsule was called Columbia for that first Apollo, that, that Apollo mission, the first one to, to land on the moon. So I guess what I'm saying is that I think these authors in these cases are tapping uh, into some kind of collective consciousness. Now, the, the other types, the other types of uh, synchronicities, and I, I can share a couple of those. I think that they're maybe, you know, a higher power, maybe helping engineer things to our benefit. Uh, I think that's also a possibility in some cases. Right, right. The other example, and again, some people call this predictive programming, um, Dean Kuntz, uh, who's a fabulous yeah. writer. Uh, in fact, when I open the show and I say, welcome to the Imaginarium, the word Imaginarium, it's a made-up word. It was made up by Dean Kuntz, and it's featured in one of his 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 novels, and I, I forget which one. I just added the audio, uh, so it's audio Imaginarium. But in one of Dean Kuntz's novels, and I think it was from 1981, Eyes of Darkness, and he talked about, or he writes about uh, a pandemic that would start, I believe he actually named Wuhan. Uh, he said it, uh, he, he named the amount of, uh, you know, the number of deaths and the number of uh, uh, people infected. He said um, uh, it would di- then it would disappear and then it would return uh, in 2030. But I believe he actually named the date as well. I think he said 2020 and he named Wuhan. I mean, come on, what is going on there? Yeah, that was really weird. Now, I believe I have read somewhere, and I don't know if this is accurate, but I read that in the original edition of that book that it had been Gorky in Russia uh, that it emanated ah. from. But then in a later edition in the 90s, which is still <laughs> it's still predictive, it was changed to Wuhan. 
and maybe that's because of the relationship with you know the the former Soviet Union and and then not being you know the deal with Russia not being so adversarial not quite as adversarial as it was with the Soviet Union then that was moved to China, um, but. Regardless, it's an established fact that that was written decades before this happened. Yeah, how in the world did that that come out? Now, some of it might be knowledge. Uh, I think it was pretty common knowledge that the Chinese have some uh, facilities that look into this sort of thing, and, and one at Wuhan uh, in particular, uh, as I understand it. But the point is, is that he could have picked any place else on Earth. Why Why that? It almost seems like you're tapping into something. You're tapping into this, this collective consciousness and maybe this, this kind of like a premonition kind of thing. And uh, it is amazing. And it's real. Right, it right. happens. We, we just mentioned three examples of it. Now, what about on Campfire? Do you get people calling in from time to time with amazing coincidences or, or, or strange oh, yeah. synchronicities that you oh, can yes. share? I, I want to... Actually, one of my favorites is from a Canadian, and this was quite a ah. number of years ago. Um, she talked about going to, and this had been in the early 80s, I think, uh, going on a honeymoon with her uh, husband, and they had family, I believe it was in Hungary. And uh, anyway, it was this very long journey. And, you know, they had to take, like, planes, trains, and automobiles, if you remember that old John Candy movie. Oh, yeah. Terrific And movie. it was this long, long trek. And they get to this place, and this man picks them up at the train station, and it's, they're staying like, uh, it sounded like a private home. I don't know if it was a cousin or whatever it was. But they didn't, this, was, this wasn't somebody that they knew well. They, 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 uh, but they had some kind of... Uh, acquaintanceship, uh, familiar relationship. But anyway, they get there, and it's, uh, you know, a very kind of modest apartment, nothing super fancy, but they're very happy to have it. And they have two beds. Uh, and the honeymooners say, well, it's okay, we, we don't we don't care, uh, because we just want to sleep. You know, we're not interested in romance tonight. And they're exhausted. But then the woman gets this very intense feeling. She said... Um, the bed over there that my husband's supposed to sleep in, I need you to move it next to mine. And her husband and this man are like, oh, come on, it's it's 2.30 in the morning, everybody's tired. And we're not talking the flimsy kind of furniture sometimes you buy, uh, you know, at uh, Walmart or something. We're talking about that you, heavy That you European. put together with an Allen key, right. Exactly. The kind of furniture you exactly. put together with an not Allen key. <laughs> this is like right. heavy old furniture. So, sure. And she demands it. She says, you have to move it. She didn't know why. So anyway, um, they finally relent and move it. And they're sleeping. And maybe 4.30 in the morning, they hear this huge crash. And there's glass breaking. And just they thought that a car had literally run into the apartment. They turn on the light. They're stepping over glass. They looked, there was a huge, huge bookcase that was on the wall, uh, stand up full of books and heavy leaden glass and all of these things that fell exactly where that other bed was that they moved. Had her husband been there, he would have been killed or seriously injured. And the funny thing was when, you know, the the gentleman who, uh, it was his home or his his uh, unit there, he ran to see what was going on. 
And he said, oh, my gosh, that bookcase has been there as long as I can remember. I was a small child that was there that, that has never moved ever. And that particular night, it fell down. What are the chances? And that's what I said. You know, I said sometimes I think, you know, and I know different people have different beliefs about a higher power. I know you're a man of faith. Uh, I'm a man yes. of faith. I may not be a good Christian per se, but I am a man of faith. I, I do believe in higher power. I think sometimes somebody's watching out for us, and I think that's an example of one of those times. Right, right. Maybe a guardian angel. Hard to say. Yeah. And then we sort of yeah. we categorize it as a synchronicity. You know, averting disaster, um, it kind of reminds me, I, we mentioned Lincoln earlier, the Lincoln and Kennedy connection, which is phenomenal. Um, but with with Lincoln's assassination, I don't know if you if you've heard this story about uh, Lincoln only had one son, uh, one child that survived, Robert Todd Todd Lincoln, and um, a couple of months before uh, John Wilkes Booth assassinated Abraham Lincoln at the Ford Theater, Robert Todd Lincoln, Abraham's son, he was waiting on a, a crowded platform. He was waiting for a train in in uh, Jersey City, New Jersey. And he, and he suddenly, he loses his footing, and he falls beneath this slow-moving carriage uh, of, of this departing train. But he's pulled to safety at the last minute before any harm can come to him, and he turns to thank his rescuer, and he's surprised to see it was the well-known actor Edwin Booth, the brother of John Wilkes wow. Booth. So here, Never knew here we have... The brother of the assassin saving the son of the victim. It's incredible. Incredible. Yeah, the, the, the thing for me, synchronicities have a deep meaning to me because a lot of times doing these shows, I'm not a paranormal investigator. People assume that sometimes. I'm sure they make the same assumption about you, Richard, when you do shows that delve into these matters. Oh, you must be a paranormal investigator. I am not. I But the thing is, is, is so a lot of people say, are you psychic? No, I'm not psychic. Have you seen a ghost? I don't think I've seen a ghost per se, but I have had a lot of weird synchronicities in my life. Uh, one that happened to me that, that didn't save my life, but was very personal meaning, uh, had personal meaning to me, happened about three years ago. I was on uh, a paranormal cruise where, uh, you know, they have these events where they have speakers who come on and, and, and people sign up to be a part of the group. And I was one of the speakers right. on this. I was with uh, Rosemary Ellen Guiley, the late, great Rosemary Ellen Guiley. Ah, uh, God and bless Micah her. Hanks. Yeah. Oh, yes. I, I, I just thought she was the greatest person. Uh, and anyhow, I had a little cold. So um, this was a day at sea where we were all giving our presentations in a little conference room. And it happened to be by... Um, the casino for the the for the for the ship, and I was getting ready to go on. I said, "I'm going to go run running to the little cafe here and get some coffee to kind of warm up my throat a little bit here." I got to cut in here. We're going to break. We'll get back to the paranormal cruise as you're heading towards the casino. Jim Harold, my guest from the Paranormal Podcast and Jim Harold's Campfire, back with more on the Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. Shaking the world and seeing what falls. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Welcome back 
Jim Harold from the Paranormal Podcast and Jim Harold's Campfires and True Ghost Stories, Volume 1 through 5. And I believe he's uh, working on Volume 6 as we speak. No kidding. During the break, he's actually typing out Volume 6. Uh, anyway, Jim, apologies for the interruption. We were You were just in the midst of uh, sharing one of your... Uh, personal synchronicity. So you're on this paranormal cruise with the likes of Micah Hanks and Rosemary Ellen Guiley, God rest her soul. And um, you're taking a stroll through the casino. Yes. And I see one of the uh, attendees who was with us. Nice guy. He was playing one of these games that they have the claw that goes down, like you might see at a retail store in the lobby or a uh, Walmart-type store that gets the stuffed animals, but in this case, he was playing and it was going for money. And the, it, it had an odd significance to me because my uncle uh, had passed a few years earlier, and he loved to go, to go into stores and play these crane games where you would get a stuffed toy. And I, I just had a very present thought of him on the he would absolutely love being here. He would love to play that game. And to think that he could try to get money, he liked the sport of it. So he would spend right. 10 bucks to get a 99-cent toy to give to one of the kids. <laughs> so anyway, yeah. and, 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 and honestly, he was like a second dad to me. So it wasn't your average uncle relationship. It was more like a, a father-son. I was kind of lucky because I pretty much had two dads. But uh, in, in that sense. And, and anyway... So his loss deeply resonates with me to this day. Right. But nevertheless, so I'm thinking of him very intently, and I, oh, I wish, I wish he were here. He would love that, and I, I felt very strongly about it. And Richard, I was stopped in my track shortly because a woman walks up right next to the gentleman from our group. She cups her hand to her mouth, and she says, John, John. Hmm. Richard, guess what the name of my uncle was? John. <laughs> you got to be kidding me. And yeah, of course. To wow. Me, that's the definition of a synchronicity. It's meaningful and it's a coincidence. Yep. And to meet anybody else, I would think, and some guy walked up, I assumed it was her husband, but let's just say for a thought experiment that either my uncle or God or whomever mm-hmm. said, we want. We want you to know that he's thinking about you, too. How many pieces would they have to put in place to make that happen? That gentleman uh, from our group would have to decide to play that game. You know, it's down to when they put the game there, they put it in a place where I would see it when I would be walking through, and I happen to have that sore throat, which made me want to go get the coffee. That woman happened to be walking through the casino at that time, happened to get removed from her husband, who happened to be named John. I mean, it's just infinitesimal, the amount of little mini connections that had to happen to make that work at that given moment in time. Oh, it's spectacular. It's spectacular. Do you find when something like that happens to you, uh, if you if you start paying more attention and when something like that happens to you, you can't help but not start to pay more attention, that you start to find more synchronicities in your life? Yeah, I've had three or four big ones, and a couple of them have been life and death. Uh, one of the, 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 but I do, it's kind of like when you buy a red car, you notice everybody has a red car. Uh, right, I right. do believe that's true. I do believe that's true, but 
things have happened to me so strangely. And I think a lot of people have stories like this. I think this might be more common than a ghost story. Uh, for example, I'll give you one more that I think is very striking and could have been very striking in a very bad way for me. Uh, when I was dating my wife in what was it? It's been 94. And uh, I was living in a part of town that uh, was uh, going downhill, shall we say. But it was a working class area, an ethnic area. Uh, the name of it in the Cleveland area here was called Slavic Village. Anyhow, okay. I just signed the papers to move out closer to who is now my wife. We weren't even engaged yet, but I had a feeling it was going in that direction. And it was closer to my work. And I was very young. So... Um, I thought, you know, I'll move, I'll move out there. It makes sense on a lot of different levels. But I was still staying in this old uh, half of a house, A-frame house, to kind of set the stage in this working-class area. And uh, one night we go to uh, I get tickets from the radio station I was working for at the time. And uh, we go to a big amusement park here known as Cedar Point, which may be familiar to some oh, of you. Oh, yes, sure. And anyway, we spend the day. We have a great day. I, uh, I'm driving home, and I'm going to drop her off at her house, which is about 35, 40 minutes from where I live. And she said, you know what? And she lived at home with her folks, very traditional family, uh, Italian family, very traditional family values, all that stuff. And she says, you know, I'm really worried about you driving home. If you drive home, I, I think something bad's going to happen. I really think you need to stay over. I'll ask your dad if we could sleep on the couch and uh, and if he would be okay with that. And this is one thirty in the morning. I don't want to wake the man. Plus, I mean, I've known these people a few months. It's, I felt very, very awkward. And uh, and she said, no, I insist. And I said, okay, okay. That's what makes you feel good. So she asked, and he said, yes, thankfully. So anyway, I sleep on the couch. Next morning, we have a nice breakfast, and it's like that even further solidified it for me. It's like this is my future family. And uh, drove back, and I was in a good mood, and I parked out front, and I see the – I pull up to the house, and I see the landlord's son, who lives in the back half of the house, standing across the street, pointing <laughs> at uh, the houses on our side of the street and talking to the neighbor. I walk up to him, and I say, well, what happened? What happened? And I think his name was Dave. What happened, Dave? He's like, I got to talk to you. There's been a drive-by. I'm like, there's been a drive-by? Whose house was hit by a drive-by shooting, for goodness sake? Our house. Oh, <laughs> turns out, Lord. Turns out, and this is honest to God, I'll swear on a stack of Bibles. Our house was hit by an AK-47, several rounds of armor-piercing Browns, uh, oh. and 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 the police were astounded. They couldn't figure it out, and uh, they, they they asked the landlord's son, uh, "Well, this guy lives here. He's not here. What does he do for a living?" <laughs> they thought it was some kind of drug kingpin. Oh my god! He gosh. worked for a classical music radio station. Um, <laughs> what turned out what turned out happening was is we lived in a blue house, a dark blue house. And we lived next to a light blue house. But about 3 o'clock in the morning, when these fine gentlemen came up and decided to shoot up the place, uh, there were these amber street lights, these orange hue street lights. And right, right. Uh, 
the light blue house, which is the one they were supposed to hit, looked white. And the one that they hit was ours, and it looked very decidedly blue in that lighting. Uh, it turned out that word. the people next door had uh, crossed some kind of motorcycle gang. So, anyway, uh, last grief. night I slept in that house, and yeah, could that have been... That was really, I think, the whole time I lived in that house. I lived in it maybe not quite a year. But the whole time I lived in that house, that was only the second night I had stayed away uh, from there. I mean, it was quite your a coincidence. Fu- your future bride saved your life. Absolutely. And she never lets me forget it. No. <laughs> <laughs> My yeah. word. That's an incredible that's, story. It, that, I mean, that, that is a life and death situation. That, yeah, and that's why I believe in synchronicities. I believe they're real. Now, what's behind them? You know, as I often say to people, say, well, people say, oh, you've been doing this 15 years, you're an expert. I don't know that there are any experts. I think we can think about it, we can speculate, we can talk about, but there I think, you know, I I like to think that there was uh, someone up above looking out for me. I haven't had anything like that that I, <laughs> well, I would I would remember if I did. Nothing life or death. Um, but I was just remembering uh, our mutual late friend, our Gary Patterson. Um, oh, he yeah. shared one with me. This is uh, nothing to do with him, but you know, he and I would talk about the Beatles a lot. And uh, he told me about um, uh, John Lennon. Uh, well, about five years after Lennon was murdered by Mark David Chapman, NBC, uh, they decided to do this uh, biopic about Lennon and his wife, Yoko Ono, and it was called John and Yoko, A Love Story. Yeah, I think now, get I this. remember Unf- that. Unfortunately, the actor they hired to, they hired to play John Lennon, unbeknownst to them, yeah. happened to be named Mark Chapman. <laughs> I mean, you've got to oh. be kidding me, right? So, uh, obviously, they... <laughs> they... Uh, they, uh, they broke the, uh, the, the contract. They recast the role... They gave it to someone presumably not named Mark Chapman, and uh, life went on as, I guess, normal as possible for those who live in the Twilight Zone. However, Mark Chapman, the actor, not the the crazed gunman, he got his, uh, I guess, his rewards because he got to play Lennon again in in a a 2007 dud. It was called Chapter 27. So Mark Uh David Chapman, Mark Chapman playing John Lennon, not once, almost, but twice. Unbelievable. That's definitely, you've got to be kidding me, file. All right, Jim, we're going to take another quick timeout. We'll come back and talk some more about synchronicities. Jim Harold from Jim Harold's Campfire and the Paranormal Podcast right here on The Conspiracy Show. My name is Richard Serrett. Stay with us. Afraid of the Dark. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Yes, indeedy. We have opened up the phone lines. If you have a remarkable coincidence or a synchronicity you'd like to share with us, we'd love to hear it. Jim Harold from Jim Harold's Campfire and the Paranormal Podcast and uh, six, uh, five, sorry, five val- volumes and counting of True Ghost Stories. And I mentioned earlier, I'm guessing... You're hard at work on Volume 6, Jim? Yes, I am. I, I just want to tell your audience something uh, real quick. Just uh, today, I put up the second book on Kindle for free for a limited time. 
I, I just, it just, it was synchronistic that, that we happen to be doing this show tonight, but uh, Jim Harold's Campfire 2, and I checked Amazon.ca, has it uh, for absolutely free on Kindle, and if you don't have a Kindle, you can get the free Kindle app. I do that for two reasons. One, I wanted to kind of put something out there positive for people to enjoy at this difficult time, and honestly, it, it does raise the profile of all the other books. So uh, I think sometimes it's possible to do good and do well and uh, at the same time. So I thought I'd put that out there. So I hope uh, your folks get to check that out. That's the second book, Jim Harold's Campfire 2. Fantastic. Those are just doing remarkably well for you. Um, so congratulations. And uh, Volume 6, we'll look forward to that uh, that soon. Yeah. Uh, in, the fall, the, in the fall is the idea, yes, around Halloween time. Terrific. And these are collections of uh, stories from callers primarily to the campfire. Yeah, basically every book, and it's not a small, they're not small books. I mean, they're not 600 pages, but usually they're about 230 pages, somewhere in there, and usually a compilation of about 70 stories. And what I do is I take a time period of the show and go through and kind of pick out what I think are the best stories, and we just kind of uh, format them and clean them up so they flow well uh, to read, and uh, people really seem to enjoy them. I mean, they pretty much either have four and a half or five stars on Amazon, and uh, it's been a couple of years of various family things and that came up where I could not uh, get to the sixth book. Uh, it's been a couple of years, so I'm looking forward to having that out in the fall. People seem to like them. Is there a call that stands out over all the years you've been doing this? Uh, a caller with a story, and it doesn't have to be a synchronicity even, but one that it just, when someone asks you for a, a, a call that had maybe the greatest emotional impact or, or that jarred you, that it just leaps immediately to mind. It's like it's, oh, the, it's the gold standard of all calls. Yes. Oh, yes. And, and I think we've talked about this one before, the Roadhouse Saloon. I think we've talked oh, about yes. this one. We have, yes, but you've got to share that again. That's a great story. Yeah, it, it's so good. <laughs> so basically, this was T.I. from Michigan, uh, so not too far from your, your guy's uh, neck of the woods. Now, she actually was in Wisconsin at the time, though, and she was with a friend, and they went to see a band. And it was in a rural area, and basically what happened was they closed down the place. They were talking with the band because they were musicians and having a good time talking about getting gigs and stuff. And they were driving back home about an hour away. And T.I., and at this time it's, you know, after 2 o'clock in the morning, so everything's closed up tight. T.I. tells her friend Bob, I think I need to go to the restroom. And he says, well, right now your only option are bushes. And... <laughs> She basically says, no, just drive fast. So anyway, they drive for another 10 minutes, and they see this bar on the side of the road, and it's all lit up, neon, cars, you can hear music playing. And they're like, that's odd, that should be closed, but let's not look a gift horse in the mouth, let's go in. So they go in, and uh, it's kind of odd, because, you know, the people are kind of smiling, but they're not really talking, but they go, hey, let's not look a gift horse in the mouth, they go get a couple beers, T.I. goes uh, to the restroom, comes back. Bob mentions, boy, I'm, I'm glad we're here because they've got this great mural on the wall, an Old West mural. And by the way, this place exists. I have confirmed it, and I have seen pictures. It is real. Right. Anyhow, there's this Old West mural, 
and it has a bartender and some guys playing pool and some guys playing cards. And they start looking at it, and they notice that everybody in that mural is physically in the bar, in real life. They thought, that's odd. But then they thought, well, <laughs> maybe it's just the fact that perhaps uh, whoever did this uh, did this as an homage to the clientele. And uh, they didn't think anything of it. And uh, this young man comes up to T.I. and... Uh, Smiles real big. He's put some music on the jukebox. They have this beautiful old Wolitzer vinyl-style jukebox. And he puts on Let's Twist Again by Chubby Checker. And he comes up and he asks T.I. to dance. And T.I. uses a cane. And she holds it up as kind of a, an excuse not to dance because she said, I did not want to dance with this guy. He smiled and his teeth were rotten. Not not a good look. <laughs> and uh, she <laughs> had no interest. She said, I'm glad I had that cane. By the way, she tells him no, and and actually, in, in I've talked to her subsequently. They 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 played that song multiple times, which I did not know in the original telling of the story. But they actually played, which makes it even creepier. So anyway, they're looking around, and they're just talking about. It. And again, the people are kind of weird. They're kind of smiling, but they're not really talking. It's just kind of strange vibe going on. And they keep talking, and they notice they're looking at this painting, and it's got the old doors, the saloon doors. You remember in all the old westerns that we grew up with, Richard, right? Where right. you know Bart would come in in the doors and say, "I want to see the sheriff. I've got a sword." <laughs> Jim, well, I hate to do this to you again, but I'm gonna. I, no sorry, Jim, I gotta break in. Doors. Yeah, sorry, Jim, exactly. can you hear me? And, I gotta. I gotta. Yeah, I can Jim, I gotta you. break in again. Sorry, I got to break okay. in again. We're gonna we're gonna go to a break. We're gonna leave it right there at the Roadhouse. All right, and uh, we'll come back. Jim Harold will finish this this uh, cliffhanger for you right here on the Conspiracy Show. Don't go away. When you look at the sky, ever wonder if someone's looking back? This is the Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett. We are back with Jim Harold and Jim. You left us in a roadhouse, and uh, yeah. this was a roadhouse that was open, what was it, 3, 4 o'clock in the morning? I'd, I'd figure about 3 o'clock in the morning from what I could tell. Right. So this couple uh, uh, duck in to make a pit stop, and the place is just a-jumping, and there's a, a strange cast of characters in there. Someone puts chubby checkers, let's twist again like we did last summer on the jukebox. There's a strange mural on the wall. The strange mural, and in that mural, as we said, were those double doors, you know, that the villain would come through and say, hey, I want to see the sheriff. So anyway, they're looking at this, and they didn't notice anything strange about those doors first. But then they noticed two misty figures coming into view. They thought, that's funny. We didn't see that when we first came in here. And they look at it a little more, it looks like, They've even come into the picture more like they're developing like an old-style Polaroid picture. Right. And they look, and one is taller, one is shorter. And as it becomes more apparent, one is a male, one is a female. The female has boots and curly hair. T.I. has boots and curly hair. And, oh, yes, the female, she also has a cane. And as I said Mm -hmm. before... Yeah, he has a cane. At that point, they looked at each other and said, let's get the bleep out of here, I think is what <laughs> T.I. said. 
<laughs> they get out, uh, and, and as they get up, the people are like beckoning back, like, come back, come back. But they, they don't, luckily for them. And they go out and they close the door. And T.I. described as total darkness. The place was shut up. No neon, no sound, no nothing, like it was totally closed. And uh, there weren't cars in the parking lot like there was when they came in. There was a singular car, their car. So they got in and left. Now, you would think that that's a pretty good story. Just that. That's pretty wild. But just wait. There's more, as they say. Um, She's a brave soul, a lot braver than I am, Richard. And she says, I'm going to go back. So a few nights later, she goes with a friend or family member. She's telling people about it, and they're kind of like, ah, I don't know about this. I don't know if I believe it. <laughs> and uh, she goes with her friend. They go back, and the place is open. It's about 7, 8 o'clock at night. They weren't going to chance it at 2 o'clock in the morning. And there's a jukebox, sure enough, and murals there. Now, the jukebox, though, kind of odd. It's not an old Vinyl Wurlitzer classic model, bubbler. No, no, no. It's a modern-day CD jukebox. And, by the way, no let's twist again, not even any chubby checker. And they Mm. go and they start talking to the bartender. T.I. says to her, you know, I was in here the other night. Where is that good-looking bartender? Young guy. Big muscles. I'm like, there's nobody here that bartends like that. I was here Saturday night. I was the only two bartenders here are me, and she was a young woman, and my elderly father. Hmm. And with that, T.I. and her friend left the Roadhouse Saloon and left that that mystery to ponder, and she says she's never been back. <laughs> now the place is there. I've had multiple people go find it, take pictures of the mural. And somewhere on my Facebook group, and it's a big Facebook group with uh, uh, Jim Harold's virtual Facebook group, by the way, everybody, if you want to check it out, it's free. 19,000 members sharing their spooky stories. But anyway, they posted pictures of that. And, uh, yeah, it's a real place. I mean, you can look it up on Google. It exists. And that mural, those the, the people that are depicted in that mural inside the roadhouse, those were the, the regulars the characters, yes. and, and they, yes. they almost ended up on that mural. Well, you could take that conclusion. Let's put it this way. I would, <laughs> I'm glad that they left. I mean, the thing is, is that, you know, and this gets back to the idea of synchronicity. Sometimes, Richard, I think reality is so much stranger than we can even fathom. So what if there was some alternate universe or some kind of portal or something? I, I mean, I don't know. I'm like everybody else. I'm in the dark. I don't know. But, uh, you know, it certainly hints at, and, and I've talked to T.I. multiple times over the years, and she's very consistent and very sincere, and I believe her. Right, right. Somehow, let me see. Let's twist again last summer. When did that come out? 1962, 63, maybe? Something like that, uh, yeah. Yeah, maybe Yeah, maybe they did go into a, a time slip or something and found themselves... In that roadhouse, it shouldn't have been opened at that hour, but it was with an entirely different cast of characters. That's an amazing yeah. story. Now, is that is that in one of the Campfire volumes? Uh, it is in one of them. I have to figure out which one it's in. I, I have to look <laughs> real quick because I have 
say this, but sometimes they, you know, the different books, after you do five of them, they kind of run together. I think that might be in the second or third one while I'm looking here, and uh, I'll have that answer for you in the next couple of minutes. No, no <laughs> pressure, no pressure. No, I just wanted to make sure it, it, it found its way into one of them, that's all. David is checking in uh, on The Conspiracy Show this morning. Welcome, David. Richard, I know Hi, you David. still owe me a beer from Judy Wood in 2016, September the 11th. Well, how are we going to fix that? I owe you a beer. That's right. I remember. I do remember that. (laughs) From Dr. Judy Wood, yes. So anyway, I've had a lot of experiences where I have precognitive events, which would seem coincidental. Um, I'm driving along in 1979 in a car, old Honda Civic. My friend and uh, tow truck operator says every time he's come to a collision, the driver's killed. So... I'm coming up a hill and traveling about 50 miles an hour in those days, and I hear a voice from the back seat of my car saying, when you get over the top of the next hill, there'll be a car on the wrong side of the road. So I look Mm. around to see who's in my back seat, nobody. And so I think, well, weird. So I slow down, and I'm coming across the hill at the top on the ditch on the right-hand side with my head as high as I can get it in the windshield to see over the top of the hill. And halfway down this long hill, where I imagine I would have been, had I not slowed down, a car drifts right across into the other side of a two-lane highway, where I I imagine I would have been. And uh, I don't have a head-on collision, so that's nice for me. I've had other... Guardian angel. Sounds like a guardian angel. Other experiences like that, too. I don't know if we've got time for them, though. Yeah, share one more if you can. Okay, so I'm walking down the street. I found myself... This was on Queen Street in the beaches, and I find myself becoming oddly uh, wanting to walk in kind of a martial arts pose. So I'm walking kind of martial artsy, and I come around a corner, and I look to my left, and there's these kids. Two of them are holding the front of this monstrous elastic, and the one at the back's got a snowball, and he launches it at me, and I just move my head slightly to the side, the snowball barely misses my head, but and then I stand up and I keep walking as if nothing happened. And I thought that's a teaching for them. Right, another disaster averted. Uh, yeah, because but it comes to me physically rather than in a voice. Right, right. Yeah, fantastic, David. Thank you for sharing. Okay, later. Bye. One of these days, we'll uh, we'll connect and I'll get you that beer, Jim. Once again, how do people find Campfire and uh, Paranormal Podcast? Yes, they can find it on all the podcast apps, uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, any of them. By the way, the Roadhouse Saloon story is in Campfire 3, so it is in ah. one of the books. And also, the hub for everything I do is JimHerald.com. That's JimHerald.com, and they can find everything there as well. And Richard... Thank you again. It's always great to talk with you. Uh, I had a chance to have a beer when you were here in Cleveland last summer. It was a pleasure, and I I hope we get to do that uh, again sometime soon when the world gets back to normal. That would be great. Yes, indeed, when the world gets back to whatever we call the new normal going forward. I I don't know that anything will ever be quite the same. I don't know. There'll be... Maybe people won't shake hands the way they used to. Some, you know, I think th- there are certain practices that are going to change. What do you think? I think so. I think we're going to be like people who grew up in the World War II area, era. They thought before the war and after the war. And I think that's the way we're going to think about this. 
All right, Jim. In the meantime, you and your family, be well, be happy, and uh, we'll talk again soon. All the best. Thanks, everybody. And as I say on my show, stay spooky. <laughs> Jim Harold. JimHerald.com. Uh, check out his podcast, Jim Harold's Campfire and the Paranormal Podcast. All right. Uh, before we dim the lights here, I just want to remind you, coming up next week, documentary filmmaker Ali Siadatan will talk about uh, coronavirus from a biblical prophecy perspective and Craig Webb from the National Dream Institute will be here to talk about dreams and nightmares in the meantime don't be afraid there's nothing concealed that won't be revealed and nothing hidden that won't be made known what you hear in the dark speak in the light what I say in a whisper proclaim from the rooftops move over Aphrodite I'm coming home Good night.